0: You're listening to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast.
1: Hi there, it's Rich Ferraro here.
0: Now, as you may have noticed, Forest are playing Sheffield United in the Championship playoff semi-finals uh, starting this weekend. And a couple of years ago, in the lockdown, I had a conversation with Stephen Topless and Maradon in the Midlands, where we looked over Forest's previous playoff encounters. And of course, we did start off with those games back in 2003. Now, if you're a nervous disposition, we'll give you permission to skip this one. However, we will be back over the weekend with a match report from the first leg and in the week with our review of this home leg against Sheffield United. So do stick with us and come on you Reds. I just wanted to spend a bit of time today looking back over Forrest's playoff history. And you know what? It's uh, it's, it's sobering reading. So, um, Forrest have been in the playoffs four times. They've played eight matches. They've won one. They've drawn two. They've lost five. They've scored 13 goals. And they've conceded 19 goals. Um, I may have got my maths wrong with those goals uh, for and against, but... Uh, I think we'll agree. It's not a great record. Um, let's start off with Forrest's first playoff appearance. It was 2003 um, and Forrest finished sixth in the league under Paul Hart and uh, were drawn against Sheffield United. Uh, the first leg was... Uh, it was, it was finely balanced, actually, after the first leg. Uh, the kind of main points to note, David Johnson scored for Forrest. Uh, But Forrest conceded a goal just a minute or two later to a free kick from Michael Brown. Um, The things that I remember about this match in the first half, Dean Windus wasn't even booked for a tackle that would basically be a red card. Now we went right through the back of Jim Brennan, Um, but right at the end, uh, Michael Dawson was sent off. Um, Stephen, who was the referee that day?
2: It was one Mark Clattenburg and Mm. it still uh, still rankles with me to this day as well that he sent off Michael Dawson because the Dean Windass one in the first half, compare it to that, it just seems so unfair. Um, So yeah, I've always always had a bit of a bee in my bonnet about Mr. Clattenburg ever since. So there you go. Not that I'm bitter or anything.
0: Well, I mean... I, could, I can understand why it was given as a red card, because in in today's game that the Dawson tackle was a red card all day long. But I think, as I say, if you compare it to the Windass tackle that w- wasn't was barely even punished, that's what kind of got me. So Forrest appealed uh, the Dawson red card, and they lost, unsurprisingly, which meant that John Thompson came into the back four. Now that was a little bit of a surprise because generally John Olafyelda was the other centre half. Uh, through a good deal of the season Uh, but the youngster was given his chance in Paul Hart's young team now Maradon the Midlands um, would you agree with me if I was to say I'm going to say this out out loud okay I've been watching Forest for 30 odd years and this still ranks as one of the most devastating nights I've ever had one of the most devastating results I've ever witnessed as a Forest supporter. Would you agree with me?
1: I absolutely would agree with you. Um, we both watched it together, if you remember. It mm. uh, was, was it a sports cafe, is that what it's called? Sports cafe, sports, sports, sports Bar, cafe in London. Glamorous West, not Leicester, London's glamorous uh, West End. Mm. <laughs> and um, it, was, it was packed full of Forest fans, actually, that night. And it was a, it was a really good atmosphere. And We were 2-0 up and we were dreaming i think we were we were we were booking our tickets for wembley mm-hmm. or cardiff as it was then and yeah. um, the 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 uh, to have it snatched away was very well very devastating as you say i, was, I remember going to work the next day i'm not proud of this now but I, it felt like somebody had died i was sat there on my desk unable to function just listening to sad songs. <laughs> I was, I was no use to anybody. My work, my work colleagues were like bringing me cups of tea. I said, like, "Come on, it's just more than Thursday," and I just could not speak. And I've, I've never been as devastated after a football match as after, as I was that night.
0: And let's, let's, let's go through the the, the details. So as you say, I think after forty-eight minutes. Um, Sorry, 58 minutes, sorry. Uh, Forrest were two up. Uh, David Johnson had scored in the first half, capitalising on a poor clearance and uh, uh, making the most of it. Uh, After 58 minutes, a absolutely uh, storming cross from Mathieu Louis-Jean on the right-hand side was volleyed home by Andy Reid. And just like in the first leg, just two minutes later, uh, Sheffield United scored. And again, it was Michael Brown with a free kick. Now,
2: Something that a deflected is, free kick as well. It wasn't it was a, it was real it wasn't lucky.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. I think it's it's really worth saying about this match. So that free kick took a big deflection off Forest Legend Des Walker. Um and it completely wrong footed Darren Ward in goal and it was a very lucky goal. And then eight minutes later, Steve Cabba scored Cabber. The, Yeah. He scored the goal of his career. Um, let's let's think about what happened there. So there is a punt forward. He kicked it up with with one foot and totally bamboozled Des Walker with that. And then is 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 a bit reminiscent of Gazza's goal against Scotland in Euro '96, wasn't it, Stephen?
2: It was just nowhere near as enjoyable as Gazza's <laughs> in Euro '96. Um, I did think. I thought has, it, has he got? Um, it's probably me being the partisan forest fan. I thought his goal and Paul Pesky Salidos were a bit fortunate, but you know, um, yeah, I it was it just the way that they clawed them clawed themselves back into the game Sheffield United, deflected free kick straight after we've gone two 0 up and we're half an hour away from the playoff final. And then Steve Cava pulls out this volley and it's two two and you know, we're going into extra time and suddenly Sheffield United have got the momentum with them and the tails up, and you know, we got ourselves to extra time, and that was the opportunity to regroup. But, well, i interrupt you there,
0: work out like that. Yeah, just to interrupt you there. I mean, um, uh, right, so these playoff matches, <laughs> it was a bit odd because when I was doing my research for this, it's the first time I've watched any of them since the Knights themselves. I don't know, maybe it's just too painful to, to... And this one, certainly, I've never looked at any of the... I've never looked up the highlights or anything um, from from this one in in 17 years. Um, and the Cabo goal, yeah, uh, Cabo was a substitute. And then Paul Pesci Solido came on as a substitute um, in extra time. In the meantime, just as we got into the last 10 minutes... Um, Sheffield United had a young lad playing at uh, centre-half called Phil Jagielka. I wonder what happened to him. And he, cre- he came up with an absolutely amazing tackle um, when David Johnson was thrown goal. And he, he, he hit it every chance it would have gone in. And Jagielka just came up with, with a block out of nowhere, uh, which took us into extra time. And Pesci Solido... Um, scourge of forest. Um it was a again, it was a punt up field, and Precious Soldo had the ball and what was noticeable is that he had fresh legs and Forrest looked really tired, Maradon, the Midlands
1: Yeah, that, I was going to say that's what, I'm, similar to you I've, I've never looked at these uh, playoff matches ever again and, and I, to be honest, I completely blocked out most of the memories, I, I couldn't remember anything about the games <laughs> until, I had, until I looked them up on uh, these last few days. And uh, so it was, a, it was a surprise to see the Steve Cabba goal and the Pesca goal. Pesca Pesca goal. Um, they were, uh, yeah, I mean, in their own way, they were good goals, but they they did come from sort of having too much space. And the Forest players looked like their legs had gone at the end of that match um, and Sheffield United were fresher.
0: And... um. As you alluded to mode on the Midlands, you know, we were both living down south at the time and we went to a few matches um, in the uh, in the in the metropolis and in the environs. And I remember you and I, we went to the Easter Monday game away at Reading where Paul Hart did make a few team changes. But the, t- the team had lost a lot of momentum in that last quarter of the season, hadn't they? And I think they were
1: leggy. They, they were yeah. Looking at the form before the playoffs, they they had gone off off the boil slightly, um, and they weren't playing as sort of as well as they had done. But even even so, that was I mean those that that Andy Reid second goal it was a blinding goal. Yeah, and we just if we just I mean it's it's the story of of the playoffs all the way through really. Just unable to keep hold of a lead, unable to kill a game off, unable to keep possession. If there's, if there's one lesson that we're going to learn. Going through every match, it's we we sort of threw it away ourselves many times, just with our inability to keep possession and and just kill teams off.
0: of course, one of the things that was notable about Paul Hart's team is that it was was Paul Hart's young team. Um, You know, we had the average age of the team really wasn't that high. Um, And then by bringing in Thompson, when he could have brought in Hjelda, who was an experienced burly centre half, uh, that was another decision that Hart made to put his faith in youth. Um, Now, having said that, We also had the oldest man on the pitch. Um, Des Walker was 38, 39 years old at the time. And as I said, he was unfortunate in that he went to block the Michael Brown free kick and it deflected in. He got bamboozled by Cabba's uh, flick and got beaten uh, for that second goal. And then possibly... uh, as, as if you needed anything to to cap the heartbreak, for Des to score another crucial own goal while playing for the Reds, um, I mean, it, it was that's that's heartbreaking. And and, and let's just finish off uh, what happened in the match. So that was a late late um, own goal from Des. That was in the 117th minute, and that made it four two, and that effectively ended the match. But then two minutes later, Robert Page, the opposing skipper. He scored a known goal after Darren Huckabee put the ball in, into the danger area. And then Forrest could still actually have equalised in stoppage time at the end of 120 minutes when Mathieu-Louis Jean got his head on the ball. And you just think, oh gosh, if Marlon Harewood had still been on the pitch or if it had been Huckabee or Johnson getting on the end of that ball, who knows? Um, So a couple of things that are worth noting about this. Um... Firstly, I never realised until very, very recently when a Guardian journalist who supports Sheffield United um, was saying that this was one of his most memorable matches ever. And it has gone down in championship history as being one of the all time great playoff matches. Um, but Sheffield United fans were delighted that Des was turned inside out because he used to play for Wednesday. I never knew that. Did you, Stephen?
2: No, it's a bit of a coincidence, isn't it? Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it was just such a devastating night for Des. really. Of all the players on the pitch, he didn't deserve to be on the receiving end of an own goal and deflected free kicks going in off him. And he, he'd been so good at that season. And you do wonder what would have happened on the night had Forrest been able to play Dawson and Walker the first the first choice pairing at centre half, whether Forrest would have been stronger defensively and managed to hold out, it's that's something we'll never know. But for this, for a first kind of foray into the playoffs, this was absolutely devastating. It was, it was just complete roller coaster football. To be thirty minutes away from a playoff final and then flying when Andy Reid scores, to suddenly crashing back down to earth, how we did. It, it was heartbreaking. And then knowing what, what came next where, you know, we couldn't keep that team together and players started to move on and we didn't keep Darren Hookerby, for example, for the following season. And that, that team broke up and it just, yeah, that team just should have gone up and consolidated. And, you know, the story would have been very different. Married on the
0: Midlands, we're talking about devastation and heartbreak. and. um we were watching it in that sports bar in London and the night ended with David Johnson and Des Walker in tears on the camera. And we were with um, my my flatmate at the time who was Spanish. He was a Real Madrid fan. And even he started crying when he saw David Johnson bawling his eyes out on the pitch. Um, and you talked about your experience of, of going to work the next day. I went to work the next day and even the Leicester fan at work, never mind all the Londoners, they were all just, "Oh my God, you're so unlucky," and it really added to the feeling that, "Oh, it could have been," and if if the away goals rule rule existed in the playoffs, Forrest would have been through in this game.
1: <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, is is that sort of wide eyed uh, youthful optimism we had? I think, and just. We had sort of our moral superiority that during that season, because you know, we played such brilliant football under Paul Hart. We used to laud it over fans of other clubs. Like, yeah, of course, well, we play uh, almost total football with Paul Hart. We brought the players in from the youth team; they've grown up together, and we pass it around. And it's complete possession football. And we were we were we, <laughs> we were so full of ourselves in a way, but uh, rightfully so. We were an amazing team, and it just it was the. It was the loss of that potential, the, the breakup of the team and um, just the moral victory it would have had for having a team that wasn't put together with millions and millions of pounds. It was just everything seemed to be going in the right direction and it seemed particularly cruel for it to sort of fall away like that in the last few minutes.
0: Absolutely. So I think we can, we can agree that that was... It could have all been so different and it was so, so... I mean, I can't. I can't use any other word other than devastating. Not just because we were younger then, but I think that really was the big chance for Forest to to reestablish themselves after a few years out of the Premier League under this 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 manager who who had worked so so much magic at Forest and the players who'd come through the system, um, and yet it, as you said, Stephen, it just wasn't to be. Thanks for joining us, let's hope for better fortunes this time with Steve Cooper's Mighty Reds. We'll have our match reports in your feeds very, very soon.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.